Blog Talk Radio. The following is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Coming up, third, Liz Bird up the inside. Rock Diamond, wow! Four of them. Here is Rock Diamond and Mitchell Cushing. They win the gold cup in soccer. It's American history trying to dig in on the outside endeavor. Tuned in to the official podcast of the Sport of Harness Racing Post Time with Mike and Mike, with your host Mike Carter, number one thousand for the third time, Aaron Merriman wins, and Mike Bozich. Down to the finish, turning a game winning the Betsy Ross over Caviar Alley at Apple Bottom Jeans one forty nine and two unbelievable. Post time with Mike and Mike presented by the United States Trotting Association. Mike Bozich joined by Mike Carter. Another edition, another lockdown edition of a post time with Mike and Mike is the harness racing world, the horse racing world for the most part, and pretty much uh, everything else is uh, currently on lockdown. But we try to keep you entertained, and we certainly appreciate you spending a couple of minutes. Love your mornings with us each and every Thursday morning. Great show today. Going to kind of try to get away from the COVID-19 talk a little bit that we've had over the last couple of weeks. And uh, we've got a great show. We're going to talk a little bit about announcing with three of the very best in the business, one from the thoroughbred side and two from the harness side. Pete Aiello, the great, great track announcer from Gulfstream, is going to join us here in just a couple of minutes. We're going to talk to him uh, about a little bit about announcing uh, to see how he's coping with uh, – the uh, uh, COVID-19 thing that's going on, but uh, we're going to talk to Pete about uh, how he gets it done up at the announcer's booth, and he's called a couple of harness races as well, so maybe the difference between the calling thoroughbred races and harness races, plus Ken Warkinson, the fine track announcer of the Meadowlands, will be joining us. We're going to discuss the same thing with him. Ken has called his share of thoroughbred races throughout the day, so we're going to talk to Ken about uh, how he kind of handles the difference between calling thoroughbreds and harness. And, of course, our guy, Shannon Sugar Doyle, the fine track announcer of Western Fair. Haven't caught up with Sugar in a while, but we will do so today. 
And I'll tell you what, Western Fairless put up some giant, giant numbers uh, towards uh, the end there when a lot of the racetracks were shut down. They were one of the last tracks that were actually racing it. So they were able to put up some dynamic numbers, and they've been putting up some dynamic numbers anyway. They do a great job uh, at the Western Fairness. We're going to talk to Sugar Doyle about that as well. We're going to be joined here by Mike Carter in just a few minutes. We're going to take our first time out. When we come back, Pete Aiello will join us. If you have first time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Tronic Association. Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit winnerscircleracing.net. That's winnerscircleracing.net. Here comes the charging moa, charging hard at the 6-1. Harness Horse Youth Foundation has the power to bring a life-changing experience to any child. We introduce youth to the horses and skills that build confidence, friendships, and a lifelong love of harness racing. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Check out the complete list of Harness Horse Youth Foundation camps and activities at hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. Hey, racing fans, we all know the ride begins well before the starting gate. Stay warmed up around the clock at PennHorseRacing.com, your home for all things harness and thoroughbred racing. PennHorseRacing.com gives you the inside track on betting, industry events, breeding, news, and more. You know, everything that'll give you an edge come post-time. Visit PennHorseRacing.com today. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We are back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association. Mike Bozich, Mike Carter will be joining us in just a couple of minutes. But joining us right now, without further delay, is the fine track announcer from Gulfstream Park. His name is Pete Aiello. Pete, welcome to the program, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Mike. Good to be with you. All right, we're doing fantastic. First question, Gulfstream Park West, perhaps the easiest track to call a race at, right? I guess you've been talking to Gabe Pruitt and Mike Carter about that. Uh, <laughs> for that matter, I think that there's been more harness announcers to try to call races from that, that setup than thoroughbred announcers. I guess maybe because the, uh, the harness guys are a little more game. I don't know. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but, uh, but I, the only guys that I could get to give it a try were guys from the harness racing world. <laughs> well, you know, listen, we're we're uh, we're not the sanest of people, you know. Harness racing announces we're a little we're uh, we're a very unstable bunch. I think that goes for all of us in the horse racing world on some level. <laughs> That's right. Well, Pete, listen, buddy, it's been a while since we had a chance to catch up with you. Uh, first of all, how how you coping? How you kind of dealing with this whole uh, coronavirus COVID nineteen thing? Well, you know, I, I'm I. 
I don't want to sound cliche, and I don't want to sound, uh, it may come across insincere, but it's the complete opposite of that. I'm just so lucky, you know? I mean, I'm literally in the car right now driving to Gulfstream for 10 races on a Thursday. So, I mean, so many people in the racing world, thoroughbred and standard bred, are not in the position that I am in the sense that I'm still working. And uh, every minute and every race and every day that goes by, I'm just, I count my blessings. I really, really do. And uh, I'm just lucky to still be doing it and uh, try to try to give some people an outlet for a little escapism. I know we need that right now, you know? Yeah, no question about it. And you know what? Speaking of escapism, we was just able to wake up Mike Carter from bed. So, uh, Mike, welcome to the program. Glad you woke up for the show. And uh, go ahead with the next question. Oh, man. You know, I I, I would only wake up for Pete. He knows that. (laughs) Pete, what's going on, man? Well, listen. Uh, What were you, like, chasing squirrels around your bedroom or what? (laughs) Something along those lines. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Anyways. It's already Mike. Say what? I broke the host already. Sorry about that. You broke the host already. So, all right. Well, let's get let's dive into the delve into the into the show itself. Uh, obviously, uh, you've done some race calling for a pretty long time. How in the world did you get into the race calling industry in itself? Well, I was a fan first. I mean, uh, and that's that, that's a perspective that I always try to lead from, and. Uh, so I was a, you know, I was a card-carrying degenerate gambler by the time I was probably 15, if I'm being nice to myself. Um, so it was about that same time that my dad bought me a horse racing computer game, which, ironically enough, was the topic of a Twitter thread the other day about horse racing video games. But uh, I played it for hours and hours and hours, and uh, I was definitely addicted to it. But I, I you know, the gameplay itself wasn't engaging me anymore, and I. I'd already mastered everything there was to master about the game. So uh, I didn't want to stop playing it. So I started to write down the names of the horses that were in these races on a sheet of paper and just kind of mumble to myself. And it literally started as me mumbling. I mean, it was only audible to me. Um, But as I got going and as I started to imitate what I was hearing every day, uh, I got louder and louder and louder to the point where, my grandfather, who was downstairs at the time, had to shut the door to our, our den so he didn't hear me. And then my dad came home one day and said, man, I can hear you from outside. Calm down a little bit. So Pete, that, that as was, you were, was... Pete, as you were growing up, uh, you know, kind of getting your feet wet in the industry and even before that, were there any announcers that you kind of looked up to or that, that you patterned yourself after? Well, that's a very interesting question, and I'm sure I could talk for 35 minutes on that topic alone. But uh, the first and the first thing is, and I think that we're all guilty of this, whether it's you know as an announcer working on your own style or as a fan gravitating towards an announcer, we all have regional biases. And I was a I was a Florida bred. I am a Florida bred, so I grew up listening to Frank Frank Miramati and Phil Saltzman. Frank, of course, was at Hialeah. Phil Saltzman was calling races most of the year Calder. And then Vic Stauffer uh, and Tom Durkin were the two Gulfstream announcers. Now, by the time I was, you know, kind of trying to copy or, or sound like somebody or at least understand what you're supposed to sound like, Vic Stauffer was calling it Gulfstream. So those were the three guys, I think, that had the most influence over my actual technique. But uh, the guy that had the most impact on my career, I know that he had a 
pretty substantial impact on your career too, Mike, is uh, Luke Kreipoff. I met him the first year I was in college, and uh, he kind of he, he he helped me get the opportunities, but at the same time, he was also a, a mentor in the sense that he he guided me through things. And if uh, I was doing something that wasn't the right thing to do, he he would help me, and uh, he always told me, and I, I definitely live by this and said you know if you if you like something or that somebody says you can borrow that or steal it or whatever adjective you want to use but as long as you're not taking everything that that person says in other words copying somebody else and you're borrowing a phrase from one guy and then borrowing a phrase from another guy all of a sudden the hodgepodge that you create becomes your own style which at least for me has been kind of kind of the, you know the thing about it which is you know you borrow a line or, or a delivery from somebody and then you you do it a different way and then you borrow it from another guy and then you mix all that together in a blender and you have your own style and I, that was darn good advice and that's certainly the way I've, I've went about it so one thing about it and I uh, actually posted one of my race calls from Luke um, the other day uh, you know, in one of your videos uh, from a long, long time ago, it said that, uh, you know, your career will always be because of Luke Kripos. One thing about it, you know, we grew up with our mentors, we grew up with people who taught us. And, you know, there are some people who taught us along the way, and there are some people who didn't call us, but you said Luke was one of those that, you know, sometimes you liked what he had to say and sometimes he didn't. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. I mean, I, the, the best way I can, the best anecdote that I can give you for that was the first time that I got to call a race at a track that anybody heard of with binoculars was at Tampa Bay Downs. And I remain indebted to this day to Richard Grunder. He's one of my closest friends in the announcing circle. And he steps set aside to let me call one. And um, I didn't tell a soul uh, about that. I, my father knew, I knew, uh, Richard knew, and Margot Flynn knew. To my knowledge, that was all, the only people who knew. And I was sitting in the grandstand before the ninth race. I was going to call the 11th race. And my cell phone rings, and it was Luke. And I hadn't talked to Luke in six months. And I picked up the phone. I said, hey, Luke, what's going on? And he says, well, and I, Mike, Mike Bozich can do the epic Luke impression. I can't. But he says, well... I heard you're calling the last race at Tampa today. And to this day, he passed away before I could find out how he heard that. But uh, I said, yeah. I said, uh, I'm calling the last race at Tampa today. I said, I, I'm a little nervous. He says, well, it's a good thing you didn't ask for my permission because I would have told you don't do it. And I said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, man, he says, this is a big step. He says, this is your shot. He says, you screw this up. He says, I can't help you. <laughs> and he literally, you know, put the fifth God into me exactly when I probably didn't need that because I was already washing out. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he pretty much said, don't screw up or, or, you know, there's not much I can do to help you. Because, you know, I guess the logic is once you get the reputation of being a hack, there's not much that anybody's endorsement can do to change that. Visiting with uh, Gulfstream track announcer Pete Iello. Pete, let's talk a little bit about the difference in calling harness and thoroughbreds. Now, you have called some harness racing action, uh, especially at Pompano Park with our good friend Gabe Pruitt. And, of course, uh, you know, your full-time job's thoroughbreds. What's some of the differences, uh, at least in your opinion, between calling harness and thoroughbred? 
Well, I don't want this to turn into a mutual admiration society, but I'm very, very jealous of a, a particular Mike and Mike uh, host who uh, dabbles in the Pennsylvania harness and Pennsylvania thoroughbred <laughs> world because you you have you have something that I wish I had, which is a delivery that is so attuned to both breeds. And so for me, the biggest transition and, and issue or problem, whatever you want to call it switching from thoroughbreds to harness is that my cadence of talking and my delivery is fast, which doesn't lend itself well, at least in my opinion, to harness racing because there's a lot more time to describe what's going on and there's a lot more time overall for the race. So for me, I almost, and I, 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 don't, I don't pretend that, that this isn't the case, I have to pick somebody to impersonate when I call standard bread races. And for, for a long time, it was Joe Rickey because he was the voice of Pompano when I was growing up down here. And the first harness race I ever called was, was uh, at Pompano when Joe was there before game took over. And uh, I, I, I just, it, it just feels like a fish out of water to me, which on a lot of levels to me is aggravating because, I love watching harness racing. I love being part a part of harness racing. I, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be as big a part on the backside of the harness racing industry as I ever have in any other facet of, of horse racing or horses for period for that matter. So I wish I could get better at it, but I guess I just don't do it enough regularly to, to hone my skills. Yeah, Pete, obviously uh, you guys uh, continue to race through this uh, coronavirus uh, situation, and you guys have had to race with no fans, and I know you've probably been asked this a million times. What has that been like for you? The biggest difference, I mean, honestly, the only thing that I can say that I notice is when there's not an actual race going on, because, you know, when there's a race going on, for anybody who's seen the movie For the Love of the Game, that, that, that's a perfect encapsulation of how I am when I call a race. I just clear the mechanism and I don't hear a word. Um, but before the race, you always hear people. But the most, at least for me, as far as an enjoyment standpoint personally, not hearing the guys chanting what I'm getting ready to say from downstairs, whether it's the jockey's name or, or the trainer's name or whatever, I can hear them on track when they're getting ready, when I'm getting ready to yell it, they all yell it before I do. And, uh, being able to hear that is a little, uh, it's a little depressing. Now, Pete, I got to ask, uh, and only, I'm only asking because I saw this on Twitter and sometimes you, I see it from both sides of it. Do you believe in the announcer's curse, uh, during a race? Um, I can't say that I do only because, now, this is, it's an interesting dichotomy and a perspective because as a fan, I absolutely believe in it. And I used to hate it when an announcer would go, oh, so-and-so is traveling boldly. But I would be a hypocrite if I said that I believed in it only because I pride myself in picking up moves. So if I'm a jinx, that means that I really don't know what I'm watching only because the horses I'm picking up are supposed to be winning. If they're not, then I'm not doing what I'm what I want to be doing. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I, you know what, listen, guys, I don't know about the announcer's curse, but I know when I'm betting horses, if somebody to the right of me starts screaming for that horse, I, I know to tear up my ticket, that I can tell you. Now that, now that, my good friend, is what I believe in 100%. The, 
the, the pet peeve of my life and the biggest way to piss me off is to stand behind me while I'm watching a race and say anything about the race going on. It's just it's instant anger and it's violent anger too. It just infuriates me one way or the other. So if you want to get me going, that's how you do it. Well, so the reason oh, I ask that is because, and you're so good at it, but as they're coming down the stretch, anytime somebody hears you go, here comes so-and-so, they know that's a winner, regardless. doesn't matter. Now, I will have to say, though, that has evolved because I recognized exactly what you just said on Twitter, that you know people are listening for that big ears as the winning, you know, finishing move, so to speak. Now, when I first started to say it, I honestly didn't say it for that particular purpose. I said it to highlight a horse moving, but it wasn't like the knockout punch, so to speak. But now, adjusting to what people have become accustomed to, and frankly, what they like, I say that only when I know the horse is going to run by. All right. Well, listen, Pete, we certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy. Uh, It's always a pleasure to have you on the program. And uh, give them heck at Gulfstream today, man. Ten races, and uh, we'll be sure to tune in. Sounds great, guys. Always a pleasure to talk to you both. All right. That was Pete Aiello. And, uh, Mike, I'll tell you what. You know, one of the things about Pete is you can hear, not only in his race calls, but, like, in sit-down interviews like this or even when, you know, you're talking to him on the phone. I mean, that passion level for the sport does not change. No, not at all. And he genuinely loves the sport. And that's the one thing about him is he loves calling races. He loves the sport and he just loves the people in it. And not only that, he loves harness racing as much as he loves thoroughbred racing. It doesn't matter. He likes dog racing too, which we should have asked about, but uh, it's one of those things that uh, is just amazing, amazing thing that he does and able to do. All right. We just talked to one of the best thoroughbred announcers in the game, Pete Aiello. Now we're going to shift gears and talk to one of the best in the harness racing announcing world, Ken Warkington, the fine voice of the Meadowlands. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by the USTA back in just a moment. Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Shane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training surface in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Winback Farm of Ontario is proud to welcome four exciting new stallions for 2020. Jimmy Freight, the 2018 O'Brien Award winner, and the winner of the Dayton Pacing Derby and Mohawk Gold Cup. Nick Wicked, the 2018 Horse of the Year in U.S. and Canada, the richest pacing stallion in harness racing history. Stag Party is the 2018 O'Brien Award winner, and the winner of the Metro Pace. And the Bank, son of two millionaires, Donato Hanover and Lantern Krodos, and a Breeders' Crown and Stanley Dancer champion. For more information, visit winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. Hey, hey, hey. 
back of this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the USTA. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich, and we're joined now by the announcer at Freehold Raceway and Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment, Ken Warkenden. Ken, what's going on? Not much. Uh, these days, we're just uh, dealing with this unprecedented uh, interruption, if you will, uh, and uh, trying to keep busy and uh, active and, uh, and sane. Ken, uh, obviously, uh, you've been calling races for a really long time, and uh, obviously, uh, we, we're looking at uh, a hiatus of some sort. How do you keep yourself fresh through this time and, you know, when you're not calling races? Well, uh, bottom line is you really can't. There's no racing. Um, I've been watching a little bit of racing online, but uh, truth is I've been taking a, 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 another voiceover course here uh, from my, uh, my home office and studio, uh, and it's uh, uh, the author of it is Adrian Cronauer. Uh, you might recall that name or remember that name. He was the military disc jockey who was uh, portrayed by Robin Williams in the movie Good Morning Vietnam. And uh, it's a it's a great read. Uh, it's a combination of a book and a cassette tape. That's right, a cassette tape. I do have a Walkman that I had to put batteries in, or batteries, and uh, and listen to the cassette tape along with the. Uh, uh, reading the uh, practice uh, through the book here, and um, you know, and I'm I am getting some voiceover work. It's a trickle. Uh, there's not much business going on right now, but I'm getting some um, business from uh, my uh, steady clients, and uh, also uh, I've been on some websites as well, like Fiverr and so on, and uh, just trying to keep my uh, my hand in it uh, and keep my mind uh, from drifting. Visiting with Ken Warkinson. Now, Ken, we, you know, we've, we've had you on the show before, and we've kind of talked about your announcing, but uh, you mentioned that you also do voiceover work. You do commercials and, and uh, promotions and things of that sort. What's, what's kind of the, the, the trick to that, maybe in, in the difference between calling races versus doing something like that? Well, you, you really have to sound – you have to be yourself. And when you're calling the races, you also have to just be yourself. You can't be imi- trying to imitate and doing – I'm not into those imitations and, and impersonations and things like that, uh, that extraneous stuff. I think that's a distraction, and I don't think the betting – the general betting public really cares and wants that. They just want – they want to know where their horse is, and they want the, the cute stuff to kind of keep that uh, – on a low level, but uh, when you're doing voiceover, you really need to try to sound natural uh, and believable, and bring the words to life, and to try to convey the the thoughts um, and the feelings that the copywriter wanted you to convey. And actually, the the actual words get in the way, but you have to uh, uh, go through a process of uh, analyzing the copy and uh, trying to deliver it in a convincing manner. And it's a challenge, uh, and it's it's kind of like uh, the race calling uh, endeavor. Uh, every day is another day in race calling class. That's the way I approach it. Uh, every day you're trying to get better, even at the age of sixty. Uh, and <laughs> and the same goes for even with with uh, voiceover. You can go on some of these websites from uh, with these movie trailer guys, these big top level voiceover guys, and I just sit there and listen to these guys. And there, you think you're good. And then you think this guy's good, then you go to this guy, and holy, I mean, crap, this guy is unbelievable. And, and uh, that's kind of what inspires you, and that is kind of the level you hope to attain or you know, get even close to it. So I'm really kind of into that. I'm like a student. I've always been a student of race calling, 
and I've always been a student of voiceover. So it's, it just kind of fascinates me. Now, Ken, obviously you've called a ton of Grand Circuit races. You've called a ton of races in general. What is that feeling like before you get ready to call one of Harness Racing's top events? Obviously, uh, you know, you, you call thousands of races a year, a year, but do those take special focus or does it just kind of the same routine? I think they do. I mean, I've heard people say that uh, they call a $3,000 claimer the same as they do a big stakes race, and I think that's BS. Uh, I think you, you know, uh, you know, a, a lower condition event or a claiming race at, uh, you know, not to pick out a track, but freehold on a, on a Thursday afternoon is certainly not going to have the same intensity as, as the Meadowlands pace and the, and the Hamiltonian. Um, but yes, there are a lot of, uh, there's this preparation, you know, they say proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. And, and the more you prepare and the more you're comfortable uh, with the with the race and who's in it and how how it might go, uh, then you know the better your performance and the the more excited. I'm cer- certainly a, a race like the Hamiltonian or even Meadowlands Pace or any big race. Uh, there's a lot of chit chat and talk and we talk it up before, uh, you know, sometimes a week before with eliminations and so on. Um, and and by the time the race goes, it's all this pent up, uh, you know, emotion and you're ready to explode, you know, and and uh, and, and, but you, you know, the bottom line too, is you do, you do have to, there's a certain degree where you have to just treat it like a race uh, and, and let the race happen. You don't, it's not about the, it's never been, you know, I got a, a great piece of advice when I started out and uh, it was from a guy by the name of Jack Stevens. I don't know if he's still around, but he was the, uh, a long time announcer at the Ontario jockey club before uh, Earl Lennox took over. And uh, he was another kind of mentor to me, Earl Lennox. But Jack Stevens told me, Ken, first of all, just remember, it's not about you. It's not about the announcer. It's about the stars. The stars are on the track. That's what the people came for, and that's what they're betting on. And you're just there to highlight it and describe it and and get out of the way. And even during the race, stay out of the way. But, you know, again, you're not – you might feel like you're part of the excitement and you're part of the race, but it's not about you. So that's the best advice I got. And be yourself. Visiting with Ken Morganson, announcer at the Meadowlands. Ken, uh, you've called your share of thoroughbred races as well as harness, and we just mm-hmm. talked to Pete Aiello kind of about the same thing. Uh, so tell us about your the differences in your eyes, how you would prepare for a harness race versus a thoroughbred race. Well, the harness uh, we're more familiar with, uh, and, and as Pete pointed out, I think I heard him say that, you know, the races are slower and longer, you know, for the most part, for a two-minute uh, two race or an average of two minutes. The, the harness, you have a more, more time, depending on the size of the field, you have more time to be more descriptive. Uh, and I try to be, you know, fairly descriptive in what I see. And uh, I, I watch the – that's the other key. I watch the race through my binoculars. I don't call it off a monitor like some people I know uh, like to do. And, and that's where you see little – things that happen, little nuances, and, and, uh, uh, and, and I, I just feel comfortable that way. It's kind of maybe that's old school, uh, calling it, actually calling the races through binoculars. But uh, there's a certain cadence, as you guys know. You're both uh, announcers, uh, and, and uh, they race in a formation in harness racing. But in the thoroughbreds, they can be in you know, seven wide clumps. Uh, a horse can accelerate and come back. They make liars out of you sometimes, and it's a lot more challenging and there's a lot more. Um, I, I memorize those fields. Uh, I called uh, decades of thoroughbred races the fall meet at the Meadowlands, including the Meadowlands Cup one year with the Bowman's Band. 
and uh, Rod, Rod, Dominguez, I think he had a big night. He had like five or six wins that night. But um, the thoroughbreds require a, a more intense memorization uh, just to get comfortable. But just when you think uh, you've seen it all, something happens. The thoroughbred race is a lot more challenging. And, and the, there's, there just seem to be more moves in the race. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, horses change leads in the stretch. And suddenly, you know, they look like they're coming on and they don't. And so it's a lot. It's a lot tougher. Thoroughbreds are a lot tougher, but but fun. I, my favorite place to call them is was at Monmouth Park. I for many years filled in for uh, Larry Colmus, who would go off and do the Triple Crown and the Breeders' Cup, and that is a, just an old old school racetrack with a great feel, and the crowd roars when they turn for home, and the windows open, <laughs> and it's uh, it's just a lot of fun. That that is my favorite place to call the races. Visiting with Ken Warkinson. Ken, uh, another thing that you've been doing over the past couple of years uh, now is uh, you kind of do the announcer school uh, once a year. Uh, would be or want to be announcers, uh, people that want to, interested in perhaps becoming announcers, uh, come to you, and uh, it's kind of like a class that you teach. What are some of the things that you tell your students? Maybe some of the one or the one or two most important things that you try to get into their head. Well, I, I basically I, I um, hand out I have a handout which uh, I've collected a lot of my voiceover uh, techniques and and some of my own uh, impressions of of the business uh, and I give them a handout and uh, I just walk them through uh, my everyday routine and uh, and how uh, how things happen from start to finish and, and some certain things to look for. Uh, but you know nothing. These many of these people who come to the class. I mean, it's just a fun fantasy camp type thing, and the money goes to the. Uh, uh, the, the I think it's twenty-five dollars if you want to uh, uh, come, and uh, the money goes to the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. So you know, I'm surprised we do get quite a few people. Uh, you know, I think we had like twenty-five, thirty people last uh, last year, last summer. Um, and I, again, I just walk them through the race. I answer their questions. Uh, I don't try to you know bore them to death and speak too long. Um, and one by one, they go in the booth, and I stand behind them, and they get to call a a, a baby race or a qualifier. And I kind of, uh, you know, again hold their hand tight, so to speak, and, and walk them through. And I'm surprised that like, some of the guys and and girls or ladies uh, seem to you know take to it pretty quickly. But then they quickly realize that it takes years and years and years of practice. You know, that there there was a time when uh, you know they hired people. Uh, because they paid their dues at the, you know, at the smaller tracks, excuse me. And, uh, uh, you know, these days, uh, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily true anymore, but, uh, you know, as long as you sound okay and you can do the job and you show up, uh, here's, here's your check and that sort of thing. And um, they realize, again, students realize that there's more to it than meets the eye. It's, it's not as easy as you guys know, and uh, some people in your audience who are announcers or whatever know it's it's not an easy thing. It, it, but the, the good ones make it look easy. No question. You certainly make it look easy, my friend. Well, Ken, we appreciate you joining us. And uh, let's hurry up and get back to work, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what, what to say. I mean, there's first of all, I've cleaned every uh, nook and cranny in this house. I've done all the projects, um, you know, painting, chores, between that and uh, running eight, eight to ten miles a day uh, with nobody around, that's the other f- strange thing. Uh, you know, walking, just walking on the path here, fortunately uh, we have a nice path because uh, they close the parks. 
and then we had a walking park that closed that. So, uh, you know, there's nobody around. There's a, the odd person walking their dog, and uh, it's, it's pretty quiet around here. But, uh, again, we're, we're positive. We're, you know, this is going to end. It's gonna, we're going to come roaring back, you know, and we just have to um, uh, take stock. And uh, I know it's a cliche. They say we're all in this together. We certainly are because there's nowhere else to go. Um, and, uh, you know, the other thing about this, too, is I've been working on this is, is, is Skyping. You know, everybody's Skyping now. Skyping's the bomb. Um, and I'm, I'm working on the, something where, you know, we're going to go, this is going to last a long time. You know, we'll, people are going to continue to work uh, from home or stay away from each other, at least six feet and so on. And I, a lot of this stuff, uh, business is going to go online and, and digital. And I think that we got to get ready for that. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm going to do some work with, um, or hopefully do some work with uh, Red Shores and Prince Edward Island uh, with the Skype, via Skype. And we're going to, you know, it's, it's not, a, it's not like being there. You know, we all want to be there with the crowd roaring, turning for home, that sort of thing. Uh, there's nothing like the smells of the racetrack, <laughs> but uh, if we got to do it uh, another way, this is the way it's going online where people and, and young people, young people, where are they? They're on their phones. So we got to right. get that. We got to, that's where we got to send that signal. We got to get somehow get on their phones. That's where the technology, the technology is exploding. And, and people right now are at home and wherever they are. And uh, uh, that's, you know, we're all in this together, but we're all home, you know, trying to figure this thing out. And, uh, you know, the Skyping thing is, is and, and similar technologies, that's where it's going. And, and I'm working on something on that as well. Uh, but, I, but there's no doubt I want to get back to work, uh, you know, at the track itself, you know. And I don't know when that's going to happen. That's the other thing about this crazy thing is um, – we don't know. No one's got any answers, and it changes day to day. No one knows anything. The very, when, at the very beginning of this, I told my wife, I said, I can't wrap my head around this. I can't figure this out. Where's, you know, where's the light at the end? And, we, and I still can't qu- quite figure it out. We're hearing dates. We're hearing this and that. But you know what? That changes day to day. We don't know. It's a crazy and thing. It's, and, and you know what, Ken? You're it's absolutely scary. right. They, well, and you're right, and, and they don't know. Uh, you know, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, this is a whole it's a new bad animal dream. Here. It really is. Yeah. But you know, we could, but you know, it, we can turn this into an opportunity. You know, and and use the time uh, wisely. And, and again, stay active. It's a challenge. This is a mental challenge for everybody. Yeah. And it's it's time to take stock and to be positive and stay active and optimistic. And um, and and be productive in your own little way, and be ready when we come back because it's all going to be, you know, pent up, and we're all going to come back roaring back. Uh, but no, no as far as coming as far as coming back full, like where everybody's around, and you know, normal, the new normal, whatever. I don't know. I I I maybe think a year. Who knows uh, when a you know yeah. vaccine comes out and so on. But again, I don't know as as much as I know as much as you do. You know, right. I, I try to stay informed, but I also try to not watch the news. I don't watch the news because it's just, you know, it, it's just out there to scare you. And it, it's a hysteria. Yeah. It's, it, no you know, question. they want you to watch. That's why they're scaring you. <clears throat> so you stay informed and stay controlled. And, uh, and uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to be okay. We're going to be okay. All right. Thank you, Kenny. Appreciate it, buddy. Anytime, guys. Take care.
All right, that was the voice of the Meadowlands, Ken Warkinson. And, uh, Mike, I'll tell you what, he's certainly one of the best in the business out there, and uh, and he brings up a great point. I mean, we really don't know where this thing is going. And, uh, you know, hey, we're just taking it day by day and, uh, you know, praying for the best. That's all we can do. And, uh, obviously, I wasn't calling races on a full-time basis uh, much anymore, but I'm calling them on a part-time basis. And I'll tell you what, I miss, I miss, miss, miss announcing races. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, you, like you, for instance, I mean, you were supposed to go back to work, what, last week? And uh, Sunday you know, was our opening day, yeah. Currently, uh, currently sitting on the sidelines. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate for all of us, but, you know, you got to take it one day at a time and hope for the best. All right, and uh, we're going to forego this commercial timeout because uh, we can't keep Sugar around too long. He's got some uh, commitments coming up here in the next couple of minutes, so let's bring him on in the program right now. Sugar Doyle, the fine track announcer at Western Fair. And uh, I'll tell you what, Sugar, Western Fair was one of the last tracks standing, and boy, towards the end, you guys are putting up some monstrous digits. Hey there, guys. Yeah, you know what? We were rolling. Um, The momentum... uh... Uh, that uh, we uh, picked up this race meet it was uh, it was escalating pretty good there uh, near the end when uh, we shut things down I guess it would be uh, three weeks ago last night and uh, uh, Woodbine Mohawk Park they were in to go on the Thursday uh, three weeks ago today and uh, I thought okay well they're in to go Thursday we're going to come back on Friday and get that card in and uh, see how it goes but uh, no on that Thursday three weeks ago uh, when uh, Woodbine Mohawk Park canceled their Friday, I knew that was it for us. There's no way we're going to race when uh, the track just down the road is canceling too, right? Sugar, what has this been like uh, for you? Obviously, uh, I talked with Kim Workman a little bit about what this has kind of done for him. But, you know, you, you take a couple of weeks off, and obviously your meet is a little bit different than, say, the Meadowlands, which goes year-round. But how do you kind of stay fresh during these times? Uh, you know what? For me, it's it's not really too bad. Um, like you said, uh, we don't go year-round. Uh, there, there's a big break that does come up uh, June through September where it's four months of uh, darkness here at the raceway, and I have no trouble uh, shutting things down and recharging during those four months. I'm going to have a little more time maybe to recharge if we don't come back uh, uh, before the end of May, but uh, it, it's 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 like Ken and, and you guys say it's it's day by day. But for me, staying fresh, um, it, it's getting out and going for a walk, a, a solo walk, finding a pond, finding some wildlife to tune into. Um, if we come back and race sometime in May, you know, I might be a bit carboned up, but uh, take a few race calls to get back into it, but uh, I've never had trouble uh, shutting things down and, and starting back up. I'm I'm staying up with the with the racing news. I've been uh, throwing out some stories there on our Raceway website, some, some feel-good stories. And again, like Ken said, there's enough bad news in the world if you're watching TV, which... You know what? I'll watch Three's Company reruns and, and Seinfeld reruns all day, but I'm not I'm not really a fan for tuning into the the doom and gloom of news right now. So yeah, for freshness, uh, writing stories, uh, catching these Costa TV specials. Greg Blanchard, Curtis McDonald doing a wonderful job with them. I, I really like the Sunday night when uh, the legends, the drivers, uh, Bill O'Donnell, John Campbell, Ron Waples were on and. 
Of course, with those guys, you're going to get the old school race callers. Like, uh, Ed Gorman, Tom Durkin, John Bolsey. I, I love my old school, right? So that's how I guess I'm staying fresh. <laughs> staying <laughs> fresh with my old school. Yeah, no question about it. You know, and I'll tell you what, uh, you know, it, it, it's <clears throat> it's kind of forced – uh, the shutdown has kind of forced uh, the sport, I think, uh, and some people in the sport to kind of get creative. So we're starting to th- see some new things on social media, which is, uh, you know, hey, I, I'm all for it. I, I think it's great what Greg's doing and, and a couple of the other uh, guys, and you see a lot of different kind of things going on in social media. Uh, Sugar, do you see a positive for, for harness racing? Any way we could kind of turn this thing into a, a, a positive, so to speak? Well, that's what I've been kind of trying to point towards with, with these stories of a new race. But I'm, I'm trying to find people that uh, that race around here that have supported our race meet, and uh, I've I've come across some uh, really neat stories, like young caretaker uh, Gracie May Barr. Uh, there's a Cashney Steider that owns a uh, owns horses with her dad. Uh, uh, a Dorchester Training Center uh, offering. Uh, free stall rent for the month of april you know there's a hundred horses stable there at two hundred dollars per head that's a big deal for horsemen during these times so there are plenty of positives out there if you look for them and again i'm i'm not gonna be tuned into the doom and gloom so much we are going to come back from this we're all going to come back from it it's not an easy time but uh, we'll all come back yeah, Sugar, obviously uh, lots of great things uh, coming up at the raceway so long as uh, racing uh, continues uh, coming up in the month of May. And obviously uh, one thing that you're looking forward to is the Camelot Classic towards the end of the month and now uh, formally called the Molson Pace. And this has been yeah. an event that uh, Mike and I have gotten the luxury of come up and co- coming up and covering over the past couple of years. And talk about that night and what it means to you to be able to call a race like that. Oh, it's it's such a good time. You guys know it, right? Uh, I mean, uh, Sylvain Fillion was here a few years ago. He won it with uh, one of the board evening, a pleasure. And uh, I loved his interview uh, following the race. He he says, you know, I like coming here on the on the big night in London, the the ambiance of the place. Well, that's what it is. There's a certain feeling here on our signature night. Uh, uh, again, it was formerly the Molson Pace, now the Camelot Classic. We've had some real nice horses in here. A uh, bit of a legend was up a few years ago to win it. Um, you know, it's just the big crowd, and you feel that. Uh, me, myself, as a race caller, I, I, I love calling races regardless. I mean, uh, uh, a lot of the time through the winter, being a winter track, we don't get those big crowds. Uh, we're we're uh, mainly geared towards simulcasting, but uh, we uh, we get the crowds on the Friday nights through the race meet. But uh, that Camelot Classic night, uh, lots of people around, lots of really nice horses. I mean, we were we were scheduled to have the Ontario Sire Stakes Gold for three-year-old Cole Pacers here. It was just going to be a, a rocking card, very deep, and uh, who knows? You know, uh, May will come around, and and we may get back to it and uh if there's a camelot classic to happen then uh all all the better because uh you know what we've, we've had some nice horses in here over the years and it's never hard for me to get up for a race night i i get excited every time i drive into the parking lot here and uh 
park the rig. I'm excited walking into the building, and uh, that uh, excitement level goes up uh, just to, well, not just a, it goes up a whole lot more on Camelot Classic Night. It's just a, a fabulous time. Yeah, and it certainly, uh, you know, it shows in your race call, and Ken Warkathan brought it up, you know, his favorite uh, place to call was uh, at Monmouth Park because basically you could feed off the energy of the crowd with the oh, yeah. uh, with the open window and, and things of that sort. But, Sugar, I'm going to ask you a question that, uh, that we asked Pete, um, and you talked about old school, so you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but who are mm-hmm. some of the announcers that you kind of looked up to and patterned yourself after as you were kind of uh, getting started in the business? Oh, well, you know what, um, Mom, she walked me into the track when I was 10, so that's, well, I'm going to give it away, that's 40 years ago, so uh, back when I was growing up, uh, there was a gentleman that uh, called the races in, in Charlottetown, the old Charlottetown driving park, his name was Kevin Boomer Gallant, and, uh, you know, being a kid, uh, as soon as I walked into the races, I, I fell in love with the horses, and I wanted to be there all the time. And I mean all the time. If I couldn't go, I was crying. Mom let me go. And, uh, well, a lot of the times I couldn't make it to the track, but on our radio stations, uh, PEI, every 20 minutes you'd hear the bugle of a race call. And that was where I just shut down everything and ran to the radio because I knew a race call was coming up. So here's Kevin Boomer Gallant, and he's on the radio, and he's calling the race. And I'm not there, but I can see it. And, you know, pe- people have asked me over the years, what, what makes a good race caller? Well, you, you need a voice, you need the vocabulary, you, you need the horse racing knowledge. But if, if you can sit and listen to a race caller announce a race and you can see it, then uh, the guy's doing a pretty good job. And uh, like I said, Kevin Boomer Glant uh, enjoyed listening to him growing up. And uh, others like uh, Tom Durkin, uh, thoroughbred and harness caller, he had the big voice and he had the the wide vocabulary. Uh, just uh, I enjoyed the big voices. I, I try to bring the big voice now and then, but it, it's like Ken said, you can't do it all the time. People get tired of that. Yeah, no question. Well, listen, Sugar, we certainly appreciate you joining us. We know you got a meeting that you got to run off to, uh, of course, digitally. But uh, yes. nonetheless, we uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy. It's always a pleasure to have you on the program, and uh, we 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 got to get the racing by May because uh, we we can't miss that Camelot Classic, buddy. Got to oh, make it happen. Wouldn't that be something, eh? We'd love to see it, but uh, you know what? It's like you said, day by day. We'll we'll go day by day. If it happens, it happens, and. I, I just want to thank you guys. You're doing a great job, and uh, as always with this shows, uh, I mean, we we may not be racing right now, but it shows like this that uh, keeps us uh, active and uh, informed as well. And uh, keep up the great work, guys. And it's always a pleasure. And I want you to take care. Take care, everybody. All right. Take care, Sugar. Right on. Thanks, guys. All right. That was the voice of Western Fair, Sugar Doyle, and. Uh, Boy, Mike, I'll tell you what, you, you could tell in his the tone of his voice how much he's missing harness racing right now. I, dude, I'll tell you, I miss harness racing. I know he yeah. misses it a whole lot. And uh, one thing about Sugar is he's amped up a lot of the time, and I love, love, love his uh, attitude and his passion for the sport. And uh, he does a lot of great things in Canada 
And uh, I give him a lot of credit, man. He's all over the place up there, from Century Downs uh, to Alberta to Ontario. He is all over the place. What a great, great individual. All right. We're going to take a final time out and wrap this thing up. We've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by the USTA. Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit winnerscircleracing.net. That's winnerscircleracing.net. Here comes the charging moa, charging hard, and on the From the edge of your seat starts to the white knuckle finishes. Horse racing is truly a ride unlike any other. One that the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association intends to preserve in the Keystone State for years and years to come. From our breeders to track operators to you, the fan. PHRA is here to bring everyone together for the benefit of the sport we love and the majestic athletes we adore. Learn more about the PHRA's mission at PennHorseRacing.com. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Bootenshane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training service in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com at southernoakstraining.com. Jimmy Freight is new to Ontario in 2020. Jimmy Freight is the richest and fastest son of sports writer and was the O'Brien three-year-old called Pacer of the Year and won multiple stakes at ages two, three, and four. And Jimmy Freight turns on the Jimmy Jet by a length and a half in 148-1. Jimmy Freight at 10-1 to to win the Dayton. Derby. He stands his first season in 2020. For booking information on Jimmy Freight, please visit winbackfarm.com. Limited shares available. Go to winbackfarm.com. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association. Thanks so much for checking out the program. Stay safe, stay home, and we'll see you back here next Thursday with the first post of 1030. Good night, everybody. Stay here. I know.